People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome to Kidney Talk. We're back here with Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. <laughs> Which one are you? Uh, you know, I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have something to ask you, Stephen. How many medications do you take? Wow. How many medications do I take? You know, I take probably about eight. Eight. And how often do you take them? I take them once a day. Once a day? All of them at one day? Uh, once yeah, a day? I just pop, you know, I, I put them in like a tray and I just pop them all in my mouth. Sometimes I put an M&M in there every now and And that's then. the only medication you take every day? Yes, that's the only... Oh, uh, uh, you're bad. Why? Because you're supposed to take phosphate binders, aren't you? Oh, I'm sorry. You you got me that on that one. That was a trick question. <laughs> it was a trick question. I, I do take phosphate binders. But With I mean, every meal. With every meal. And even if I'm going to have a snack that has protein in it, you know, or dairy in it, I'll do that. And you know what? I got my numbers and they were really, really good. My phosphorus was real good and my potassium was real good. Oh, that's wonderful. So I celebrated and went out and had avocado. (laughs) Well, you know, today, uh, kidney patients, if you have a transplant or if you're on dialysis, we take so many medications. I mean, I take, um, I think I take about eight different medications right now. And now I'm taking a lot of vitamins. Now, do you take them every once a day? I take them twice a day. Twice a day. And... And how do you keep them all straight? I mean, because that's a big problem for people with kidney disease. uh, You know, it's become such a habit that it's like brushing my teeth. I always take my medications, and I like to use little baggies and... Um, and That's from your old college days. Now, have you ever forgotten? I actually have forgotten my medications on a couple of occasions. And, you know, it's really difficult. What do you do? What should you, um, should you take them when you remember? And one of the things that's really exciting, today we have a special guest who's going to talk to us about what to do if we forget our medications or where to store our medications. And it's Michael Jaspina. Oh, my gosh. That's a hard name. Michael Jaspina. Say that three times. Well, today we're here with Michael Jaspina, and he's a pharmacist, and he's going to give us all kinds of tips on how to take our meds, when to take them, how we should store them, and some other things that we may not be aware of. I know a lot of people are not aware of the interaction between drugs, and he's going to help us, you know, discern that. You know, because a lot of times, I know I don't want to talk to this pharmacist that I go to. Right. You know, he's really weird. And the other thing is, a lot of times I get all my drugs because they're a lot cheaper through the mail and there's really nobody to talk to through to, the mail. Yes. Like I talked to my postman order. once, but he thought I was crazy. <laughs> Hi folks, Crazy Kidney Kid here to tell you about the incredible specials we're having. We are definitely wheeling and dealing this weekend. If I can't put you in a proper access a lifeline like me and the missus like to call them, then I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. First, we have a Crazy Kidney Kid special on hemodialysis access with several different models. We have catheters great for the beginners or in any emergency, but you'll soon want to move up to a more sporty model. Next, we have the AV graft, a good utility access, but believe me, sweet folks, I have saved the best for last, the fistula. This is the access that everyone is talking about. You'll get great mileage and years of use with this baby. What's that you say? Hemo just doesn't fit the lifestyle you prefer, PD? Well, feast your eyes on this baby. 
Oh, I forgot this is radio. You'll just have to trust me on this one, folks. This is the PD Catheter model, beautiful, efficient, and easily hidden from view. So take your pick. We're dealing all week. We'll really have to move these babies. Keep your access clean and free of infection. A daily check for signs of redness and warmth could indicate infection. Check with your health care team for tips on how to keep your dialysis access clean and safe for use. And remember, if I can't put you in one of these lifelines, I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. And welcome, Mike Jusbina. Hey, great to be here. Great. <laughs> Thank you and so I, much for coming you, to the show. Now you pronounce his name. Jusbina. That's pretty good. Did I do it right? I love Mike Jusbina. And he's going to talk to us today about how to take care of our medications because he's a pharmacist. I was going to say, I, I don't, bet you don't know that he's a druggie. because they give good drugs. He's a they? great druggie. We don't prefer drug pusher anymore. <laughs> No, no. You know that there's such an important thing with kidney patients to get, keep their drugs right. And you know, I know some kidney patients that you know they don't have some of their medications you know uh, paid for. Then they slice the pills in half and they think that's good because it's stretching it out. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about what a medication is, oh, that's because a great question. I think you know people have some different misconceptions of what medication. Okay, great question. Well, the most obvious, of course, are what your Prescription medications. Yes. And I think every patient with kidney disease is probably really well aware of those. And you're on, what, one or two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or right. 10 or 12. <laughs> so we don't know all about those. But I think one of the real important things that folks need to know about is that a medication can be anything that you take into your body. So that things that you get over the counter, you just walk in, it doesn't require a prescription. You pick it up and you we call that self-medicating. Mm-hmm. And you take that, whatever that is, that's medication. I know many years ago, Benadryl, you had to get a prescription for it. I, it's hard for me to believe you can just walk in the store now and buy Benadryl because that stuff will knock you out. Yeah, especially if you take it before you get back in the car. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yes. So you're right. All those, are, all those over-the-counter medications are medications. And they're and potent. Could be very potent. Some of them can harm you. And all of them you should be clearing with your medical team before you start taking them. So Even a cough simple. syrup, something as simple as that? Absolutely. There's a lot of extra things in cough syrups. Well, I know a lot of kidney patients aren't aware of this, but when you have a transplant, you shouldn't take, you know, like ibuprofen and stuff like that. You have to even check some of the painkillers to make sure you're taking the right one. Now, I thought ibuprofen was the one you can take. Isn't that the Tylenol? Oh, no, that's acetaminophen. Yeah, acetaminophen yeah. is Tylenol is the brand name. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. But really, any medication, you need to check with your with your healthcare team because we have to remember that a lot of the people that are listening to the show may not just have kidney disease. Right. They could have a number of different other diseases that some of these medications may not be right for them. So it's just the safe thing to do to check with your healthcare team. Well, there's, there's been a lot of publicity also about uh, people who take different medications from different doctors that one doctor doesn't know if the other one's going to interact with it, and a lot of pharmacists are not able to sit down and consult with you. Absolutely. That's a great question, Stephen, because... Say that again. That's a great question, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you. Doesn't, Laura usually says that to you, I'm sure. Yes, she does. So, <laughs> so, and you're absolutely right. So most patients are not just being seen by a nephrologist. They're being seen by a general practitioner, their, their family doctor. They could be seen by someone who's specializing in diabetes 
by someone that's specializing in cardiology, just by a, a wide range of physicians. And every one of those physicians could be prescribing medications for these patients. And the problem can, sometimes is that there can be no central clearinghouse. Who's keeping track of all these different medications? What I would recommend is that you always go to get all your medications filled at the same pharmacy. Virtually all pharmacies in the country now have computerized systems. The medications, when they're plugged into that system, are screened for side effects and interactions between medications. And it's also real important that you take your entire list of medications, including, of course, those over-the-counter drugs. I know. And take those into your nephrology team every time you're going in with something new. And make sure that they know everything that you're taking. Well, you know, one of the things I always forget is I always forget my vitamins. I don't really think of a vitamin being a medication. But again, it is. I mean, I need to let my doctor know what vitamins I'm taking. Absolutely. And remember, if you're on dialysis you're probably already getting vitamins. Now, a lot of vitamins potentially may not hurt you, but a lot of vitamins will. Right. And while we're talking about vitamins, I think another big category that people sometimes forget about is herbal medications mm. or herbal therapies. Or herbal teas are herbal really teas. popular that's, now. Absolutely, that's, that's a medication. So how many times have potentially you sat in a waiting room and patients are talking and say, hey, I have this great new herbal tea. Mm -hmm. Tastes delicious. Do you really know what's in that? I know. There could be a lot of things in that, and many of them could hurt you. Well, one of the things interesting, when I travel around the country, uh, people are always saying, oh, wow, you meet so many people. There's like this multi-level marketing scheme, and they try to get you to sell, and you know, what, there's all these name brands out there that you drink this like juice in the morning, and oh, it's 100% natural, it's just fruit juice, but it's not. This stuff is potent stuff, and you know, you have to be really careful about it. I agree completely, Lori. A lot of a lot of those preparations have not not only caffeine and other things that uh, could be addictive that are in those preparations, but they could have things that actually have been shown to damage kidney function. So we have to be very careful about what we're taking. Uh, another another category is specialty foods. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different foods that can interact with your medications, and it's really important to make sure that first of all you're maintaining a stable diet. You're not dramatically changing your dietary habits, but also that you're making sure that if you're taking some new specialty food that you're not used to taking, it might have a lot of extra ingredients in it that you might have to get cleared with your renal dietitian to make sure it's not interacting with your medications. So what is like a specialty food would you consider? Well, uh, not to necessarily mention specific ones, but there's a lot of ethnic foods that you can pick up in different uh, ethnic uh, food stores, for example that have a lot of ingredients. A lot of these things may not necessarily be made in this country. And they have a lot of ingredients that may have not actually been screened for. And some of these foods have been shown to potentially um, cause kidney disease or kidney, or not disease, but harm to the kidneys. I remember hearing a couple of years ago, there was this root or something that people were putting in stews and it was, wasn't good for people who had kidney disease. People were getting sick over it. I can't remember the name, but that's just an example of, you know, you find some special herb or something that they're cooking with and we don't know what it is. Now, and I also heard like, uh, you can't take medication and eat grapefruit or eat anise. A right. lot of people, the licorice will enhance it or change the medication form. And that, that may happen. A lot of that may depend on which medications you're taking. So again, the general rule is you want to check with your medical team, with your dietitian, to see if any of those, I would call those potentially a specialty sort of a food, you're eating a lot of anise or other, other foods, to make sure it's not going to interact with your, with your medications. 
you know, Lori had brought up the, the root example. There's also a lot of spices that are used in different cultures, and we're all from different ethnicities and cultures in this country. So they, there may be some spices that you're just used to, to uh, commonly having in your foods that potentially could cause some interactions with medication. So again, it's very, very helpful to the, your medical team and to you for your health to make sure that all those are screened. Well, before we take a break, I have a question. Can we drink and take medicine? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who knew that Lori was going to ask that question? <laughs> I mean, can you have alcohol and take medication at the same time? <laughs> uh, well, it's a good. <laughs> Why don't you ask Anna Nicole Smith? Are, are, you, are you asking for yourself personally for this, or I think so. no, yeah. no, no? Because I think we get so used to taking medication every day as a patient. I've taken medication every single day of my life for thirty-eight years. And I think a lot of times it's like, well, you can't drink and take medication at the same time, which I understand that. I mean, you want to be careful, but at the same time, I can't say that I've never had a drink in my entire life. But, yeah, I mean, she, she's worried because how she combats the situation is she'll take the medication, but then she'll have bourbon put in her IV drip. <laughs> so she's not technically drinking it. So it, it's fine for her. It's amazing how alert she is doing that. But I guess the, the simple answer to your question again, Lori, as I, as I keep coming back to, is you need to really, it's a medication by medication issue. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you that in pharmacy school, I had a whole semester on alcohol alone. Alcohol is a drug. Mm -hmm. And alcohol can interact with not only a lot of medications, but often many systems in your body. So anything potentially in moderation uh, but you know, there. You know, if you're if you're taking your medications by swilling it down with wine, generally not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, they always put on the side of the bottle, "Do not drink with this medication," whether it's anything. They always put that, and they also say, "Don't operate heavy machinery." Which you know, who the hell operates heavy machinery? You know, not 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 Jewish people at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, there are some cultural differences in the country, so potentially some people could be operating a tractor here and there. So um, I think just, again, you know, consider that anything you're taking in, including alcohol, is considered a something that could be a medication. And you just need to check to make sure that other medications you're taking on, taking in from those 30 physicians that you're going to see, potentially a slight exaggeration, uh, are not interacting with, with alcohol if you care to partake. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to learn more about medications, about kidney patients and their medications, and we need to take a break because Lori needs to refill her IV drip. Driving a cab in a Big Apple could really get on your nerves with all the traffic, the noises, the rude drivers. Oh, watch where you're going, wise guy. Get some glasses. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the rude drivers. There's one thing I wish was a little louder or not so quiet. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. I know it's a big word, but you know what? It's a big problem. It's often referred to as a silent disease. I didn't even know what I had until I experienced weakness, achy bones, itchy skin, and sexual dysfunction. But you didn't hear that last one from me. Some people call it the bone disease because of the loss of too much phosphorus and calcium. But what you don't know, Mr. Smarty Pants, is that it also affects soft tissue like the heart, the lungs, the blood vessels, bada bing, bada boom, and that's about everything. So don't be a wise guy. Wise up and talk to your doctor about the big boy. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. Whoa, for crying out loud, do me a favor, Grandma. Get off the road and throw away your keys. Or a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful 
of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. But one thing I want to know is where do you store your medications? That's always a big thing because I know when I'm traveling, I have some in my purse. But then I heard one patient tell me that she actually keeps her medication in her car. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Well, I'll, I'll throw it right back at you, Lori. When you're at home, where do you store your medications? I actually store it in a drawer in my bathroom. Okay, so you, uh, Stephen, where do you store your medications? They're all over the house. I do it like a, a scavenger hunt. If I find them, I'm fine for the day. If I don't, too bad. Well, that, that certainly makes it more interesting, and we'll talk about scheduling of medications later based on your retrieval system. We're in but, trouble. <laughs> but, well, I, I think it's, it is a very good question because I think most people, if you polled people across the country, store most medications in one of two places. They're either in the traditional medicine cabinet, because that's why we have a medicine cabinet in our bathroom, right, mm-hmm. to store medications, or they're stored somewhere in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. They're in a kitchen cabinet somewhere, usually next, next to the water glasses. So when you open the door, your medications are right there. And I can tell you that those are the two worst places in your house to store medications. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know in the bathroom medicine cabinet, there was a trick once played on one of my friends. Somebody filled their medicine cabinet full of uh, marbles, and they had some people over for you know a party. And then all of a sudden, we heard this clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> Somebody opened up her medicine cabinet, and this is how she found out who did it, because she said So it wasn't them. a joke. It was a trap. Well, it was a joke for every... Yeah, it was a joke. Everybody was laughing at the party. It was a trap for the person <laughs> in the bathroom. Were they how amused when the police came? That's, uh, <laughs> I know. How embarrassing. So that's one but, reason know, why you don't keep them in you, your medicine you cabinet. You know what I like? I've seen is these uh, pill boxes that have every day of the week in it, you know, and you could just load. If you take one, to, you know, at the beginning of the week, load your medicines in those pill boxes. How about that? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a, a different issue. That's how you keep on track yes. with your medications. But um, where am I supposed to keep my medicine? In my shoe? Well, <laughs> well f- first, the reason you don't keep it in your bathroom or your kitchen is because a lot of medications are affected by humidity. And where do you have a lot of humidity? Well, you're, you shower, there's a lot of humidity in your bathroom. You cook, there's a lot of humidity in your kitchen. So those are the, some of the worst places to store medication. You need to keep it somewhere that is, for your house, relatively dry. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm also always going to recommend that you keep it somewhere that's safe so that if you have children that come into the house or people that shouldn't be accessing your medications, that it's somewhere that's up high enough so a child can't reach it. So I would recommend, for example, in a closet on a, on a shelf, it's easy enough for you to access, but it's above where a child is going to be able to access uh, so that it's, it's not in an area that's going to be of high humidity. Your earlier question about keeping in the car, again, usually not a good idea because it gets too hot, right? It gets very hot. Again, depending on the part of the country you're in, it can be extremely humid in a car. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're routinely storing your medications in a car, it can, again, you don't know it, but your medications may not be as potent as they need to be. So how do you keep track of your meds? Do you use that little pill box that I, I thought of? Well, the and I'm glad you invented that, Stephen, but the... Yes. Uh, <laughs> I made a mint on that. I'm sure you did. <laughs> A lot of, yes, I mean, that, there's there's a ton of systems out there. There's some that are fairly inexpensive, very straightforward, and the, and the daily pill box is one way that that is, uh, that is used for that, which is, you know, you have these plastic pill boxes. They could be arranged by time of day, by day of week, to help you remember when to take your medications. There's also some fancier ones that have come out recently that actually will give you an electronic tone or an alarm to say, 
ding, it's time to take your medication now, uh, which some people are using. So there's a lot of different methods. The, the, the most important thing, of course, is making sure you do keep on your medication schedule and take your medications the same time every day. One of the things I like to use is you get them at the craft store. It's a little small Ziploc bag that you put jewelry in. And I love those because I can write on them with a Sharpie marker when I'm supposed to take them. And then I can make several of them at once and I can throw them in my purse if I need to go somewhere. It's a very handy way for me to take medication. So that's just a tip. Okay. And then another thing, you know, that kidney patients have problems with is people who are on dialysis that are not a transplant person have to carry around medications with them all the time because, you know, they're going to eat and they need to take their binders. What's a great way to store that? You know, if it's, if you're carrying around, you know, in your pocket or how would you do that? I wouldn't usually put them in my pocket. Uh, again, you, you need a purse. <laughs> Lori, <laughs> That's what you need. <laughs> perhaps Lori would, would lend her one of the, one of the purses, but no, I mean, again, typically you want to keep medications clean. You don't want to have to have them exposed to other things in the environment, bacteria, other things that might be found in your pocket, believe it or not. And so, I keep mine in my pocket with the rest of my change. <laughs> I go, this is a quarter. This is, a, a, a you know, arena gel. All right, this is a dime, you know. But, uh, you know, also the other thing I have a problem with is sometimes I, I keep mine in a little tiny Ziploc bag and put it in my pocket. But the, uh, the other thing is I tried to carry it in a pill case, but, you know, there is one binder that I take that's so large because you chew it and, and uh, it doesn't fit in any pill container. Understood. Yeah. yeah actually, I, I like your Ziploc bag idea. And the reason I like that is because you can throw them away and recycle it with a new one. Mm-hmm. One of the problems sometimes with the pill containers is, believe it or not, everyone doesn't clean those every day. Mm-hmm. And they can themselves build up bacteria in the pill container and they could you know, cause issues in terms of uh, infection and other things. So I would recommend the Ziploc bag is a good idea. Usually I recommend not mixing your pills so you don't have 10 different pills in the same little bag. And that really helps you to remember... You know, you know, differentiate between the different types of pills. Well, what happens if I forget to take a medication? You know, that's one of the issues is sometimes I think, did I take that medicine? Did I not take that medicine? Should I take it or should I not take it? What do I do? Oh, that's a good question, Lori. Um, so people have all their own different methods. A lot of them are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to tell you folks that. But now, typically, uh, it, let's say you're absolutely sure you missed a medication and you should have taken it yesterday and all of a sudden you realize this morning you didn't take your medication. What is the right thing to do? So have you ever experienced that, Lori? What do you what have I you have. Done? Actually, it's happened where I, I take my meds mostly at lunchtime, the majority of them, and I take some before I go to bed. But sometimes I forget, did I take that medication at lunch? Or at 6 o'clock at night, I'll remember I didn't take my medication at lunch, and I'll end up taking it at like 5 or 6 o'clock. But... It doesn't happen very often. I'm pretty good about it. But a couple of times I'm like, did I take that medication? And one of the things that's great about the little Ziploc bag, if there's a remnant of it around, then I know I took it. That's a way that helps me remember. Right. And that, that gets back to a couple of things. One is Stephen's, here's my pillbox reminder so that mm-hmm. you know if it's empty, you took it. Mm-hmm. Right. The other thing, though, is if you miss a medication and you're, sh- you're sure you missed it, the thing to do is to call your healthcare team, whoever is designated, your nurse, your physician, whoever it may be, and ask them what you should do. Because sometimes people will think, well, I missed it. Maybe I should take two pills this time. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, and generally, that's not the right thing to do. 
but you need to talk. It really will depend on your situation. You need to talk that over with your healthcare professional. It's probably a good thing to talk about it before time. Just say, look, you know, sometimes I forget what should I do so you'll know what to do. And so you don't have to track them down if you forgot a medication. That might be kind of difficult because you might be into the next cycle by the time you get a hold of them. <laughs> and what about people we talked about earlier that, that you know, to save money or to cut the medication in half? Is that just as effective? It probably isn't, though, right? It isn't. First of all, you're taking half the dose generally that you've been prescribed, if, if it has been prescribed as a whole pill. The other thing to remember is that a lot of, lot of pills... The way that they're made, they're made with a uh, enteric coating over them. And essentially they're made so it passes through the stomach without destroying the drug and goes into your GI tract. So if you cut something in half, essentially it could ruin the entire effectiveness of the drug. So not a good idea generally, unless you're on, there are some tablets and some conditions that you may have that it's, that it's actually recommended. But again, if it's not the way it's prescribed, cutting pills in half is not recommended. Well, one of the things I know that comes up with a lot of patients is that I can't afford my medicine or I can't, you know, I can't get it. And, you know, I know and you know, there's a lot of ways that people can get meds. There's you got to go talk to your healthcare professional. There's a lot of assistance programs for medication. Yeah, like Montel Williams. Montel Williams, you see him all the time that he's on TV. But it is it is sometimes it's difficult. People can't afford their meds. But, you know, if you don't take your blood pressure medicine or, you know, you forget your transplant medication, which you will reject your transplant if you don't take it. What are some of the things that you encountered as a pharmacist and you know dealing with people who's like, I can't afford my meds? What would you tell them? If you truly cannot afford your, your medication, you have an economic need that every drug company out there in this country has programs for people like you that will allow you to get your medications free from these pharmaceutical companies. Now, I also have a question that's becoming extremely popular now, and I want to know what your thoughts are about it. Is people getting drugs off the internet? Again, it depends on, there's two things. First of all, you're now bypassing your security system going through the same pharmacy all the time. So you're, oftentimes the way that those systems work is you may be getting them from multiple mail order houses. If you're getting all your medications from the same place, there are different health plans that encourage that then it may, be, it may be fine. But a lot of times what these folk, the folks that do that is they're, they're shopping comparatively for the best price all over the country. So you've, you've really hurt one of your safety valves. You know, in, in terms of the medications themselves, it's, is, you know, the other thing is that it, it really depends on where you're getting them in different parts of the country. So, well, not in the country. I'm talking about they get them from Mexico, they get them from Canada. That is, that's a different issue, of course, in that if you're getting medications, let's say a generic medication from a source outside the country, what you've done is bypass the, the safety for the Food and Drug Administration in our country. You, you may not exactly know, even if generically they say it's the same thing, you may not know exactly how that medication was prepared, and it may not be prepared the same way that it is here. One of the worst things that people can do is if you're on a certain generic or brand of medications, especially tablets, and you switch to a different brand, because oftentimes there's there's differences between the brands, and it may affect how you respond. You know, another thing is that I think that a lot of people don't know about is Walmart has started a program now, and um, besides I own stock in Walmart, um, <laughs> is that there's hundreds of medications that they list that they they will sell to you for $4. 
and other pharmacies are selling it to you for thirty, forty, fifty dollars. You know, so I think it's a. You see so you're going to get a deal. <laughs> see, yeah, see if you if you this particular drug that you're taking is on Walmart's list of I think over a hundred drugs. That's a good tip. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for being here. I think we need to get going. I got a bunch of medications to go take right now, and I know Stephen needs his medication. So um, thank you so much for being here, and it's a pleasure. Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fellow to death, those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines. Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed. You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for taekwondo. Bye, Mom. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Well, now I know where to store my medication. I can't store it in the bathroom. Is that where you stored them before? I did. I had them in a drawer in my bathroom. Because they're all the humidity and the water. I guess it's just not a good place to put them. So I'm going to move them to my bedroom. Into your bedroom, yeah. Yes. I don't have kids, so I don't have to put them up high on a shelf because I probably couldn't reach it if I put it high on a shelf. But um, It doesn't have to be that high for you, you know, Lori? It could be a (laughs) coffee table. You couldn't reach it. One of the things I'm always worried about when I travel, I take um, several packets of medication with me. But, you know, when I leave for the day and go out shopping or go to the beach or whatever, I don't take several weeks or days with me because where will you keep them and I often think what happens if a disaster hits or um, I can't get home and I think it is it's difficult do you think that when you leave the house though what what happens if a disaster hits and I can't get back home I don't think that stuff well on a couple of occasions um, when things are going on in the news and you're hearing about a disaster somewhere else and you're thinking wow something could happen here and if I don't have the meds with me and I can't get home, what do you do? That's right. You know, you never know when there's going to be a tsunami in Glendale. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference.
Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.